0: Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler. Osler provided excellent Warriors content for us all season. Last week, he sat down with me to analyze a hectic offseason and look ahead to next season. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Hey, Scott, so here we are in the bowels of the Oakland Convention Center in what is still the Warriors' headquarters. It will will only be that way for a few more weeks as the Warriors make their transition across the Bay over to Chase Center in San Francisco. So this is probably going to be our last pod in the Oakland Convention Center. So sad moment. Um, This might actually be my last time ever in the Oakland Convention Center because I'm getting ready to take some time off. And by the time I get back, the Warriors will be fully transitioned over. So um, I guess we should kind of take a beat to to reflect on all that was the glorious downtown Oakland facility. A lot has happened here over the years um, and a lot happened just in the last few weeks on it, on its way
1: out. This has been our home like for the last, well, you for the last five year four or five years and me for longer than that. But me especially sitting in the, in the Steve Kerr era with all the. Stuff that's been going on, we're just here all the time, man. It's like our home, and uh, yeah, you just—I'm uh, flashing through my mind, uh, kind of a rolodex of what, a, what a, of events, and like Steve Kerr hiring. The press conference was held just upstairs, and every press conference, basically, we—that's been of any significance at all. Kevin Durant signing, all that stuff has taken place right here. So it's kind of history. They should put up a plaque, right? maybe a statue of you. <laughs> I mean I've if anyone it should be Rusty Simmons, my predecessor who was around a
0: lot longer than I have been. Um spent a lot more time in this this building, but uh like I just alluded to um the Warriors, I guess kind of went out with a with a bang or you know I, I that's probably not the right word but with a lot of commotion. Um there the last few weeks have been pretty surreal. Um the Warriors have had complete roster overhaul all in the wake of the Kevin Durant departure for the Nets. We knew as soon as Kevin made his announcement that he was going to Brooklyn that the Warriors were going to have to make major changes. But I, to be honest with you, I didn't expect them to be quite as seismic as they have been. Um, You know, the Warriors now, here we are on July 12th, um, less than two weeks into free agency and the Warriors have their roster pretty much set for 2019-20. Um, they have four, 14 players on the 15-man roster, but they, they're they only about $200,000 below the hard cap, which, is, which means they don't even have enough to sign another minimum guy. So they're planning to go into the ne- next season with only 14 guys, uh, one guy on a two-way, and that is Kai Bowman out of Boston College. Um, they have... Another two way offer out to Damian Lee, who was obviously one of their two ga- two way guys last year, the brother in law of Steph Curry, and he is yet to say whether or not he'll accept that. He's still waiting to see if he can get some interest on a guaranteed deal. If he can't, he'll he might come back on a two way. But that's really the last domino to fall at this point. So I think we're in a good we're in a good position to sit back and really analyze this roster going forward and. Um, you know, in in tomorrow's San Francisco Chronicle, I'll have a a bigger piece looking at all eight newcomers and what they bring and how they fit and just all the dynamics that go into play. But let's start chronologically. So in past episodes, I've analyzed the sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell and all that went into that. But we've actually come to, to learn even more details about that in, co- in recent days it came out yesterday reported by espn which i was able to confirm that kevin durant actually you know a lot of people said on his way out oh he did the warriors a favor but he actually told the warriors look if you're going to do this deal you have to throw in a first round pick because this isn't uh this isn't fair you know doing a doing a and trade for me for DeAndre russell isn't a fair deal you got to throw in a first-round pick. Um, what did you think hearing that, and what do you think that says
1: about how Durant really felt about the Warriors? Well, one thing it says is I think he'd be a hell of a general manager someday. The guy's got some negotiating skills. you know. He, he had leverage, and so he used it. But I think it shows um, what well, we already knew, that I think he really enjoyed his time here, most of it for the most part. He loved winning. He loved being with these guys. He, I think he felt like part of the team, and we, we saw a lot of that. During the finals and everything, when he was injured, how he he was kind of bonded with the guys, but there was also that that distance that was never gulfed. I think that um, with Kevin Durant, he just never got it was he was never completely here, never 100. percent. You know, even when he thought he was, even when he played like he was, it's just a, a different kind of vibe. And that I I my, no means I'm saying that he's a bad guy or anything like that. He's just he's quirky and different and. Um, it's like a, say a dog as opposed to a cat. You know, a dog you've got the complete affection. A cat you just kind of never know. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it shows. A
0: yeah, he's he's got that business acumen, and of course, he wants to help his his future team. You know, if if he can get his his future team an asset, but to me, it also shows a certain level of why he left the Warriors in the first place was which was he didn't feel fully valued. So I'm sure any perceived slight that he's going to get on the way out is just going to reinforce his decision more. And I'm sure he saw that and he's like, look, this is exactly why I'm leaving. You guys don't appreciate me. You don't Mm -hmm. value me. And here, here you are trying to benefit from me once again, without fully valuing me. So I'm sure he saw that and he, it just annoyed him and, and uh, reaffirmed all his feelings over the past year plus that have led to this decision. Um, So, That's speculation on my part, but it's based in everything that I was around and and experienced for the past, you know, year plus. And, you know, one thing that I've talked about on podcasts and I've talked about on the radio, so I feel talking about on my podcast, is that I had an interaction with Kevin Durant in February where we were in Phoenix. And this was pretty soon after um, his press conference where he called out media for – they're reporting on the speculation that he was going to New York and call, said that he doesn't trust any of us. And he came up to me and and basically uh, took issue with something I had said on a podcast. And what I said on the podcast was that Kevin Durant is – that my belief based off talking to people and just what I've, I've noticed being around Kevin is that if he – if and when he does leave the Warriors for the Knicks or the Nets, it'll be – to It'll be to join Kyrie Irving. It'll be to follow Kyrie Irving. Now, that is something that might sound really obvious right now, but at the time, no one had actually really put it – not a lot of people had really put it publicly in those words. And I I said that, and then the next time I see Kevin is in the locker room after this Phoenix game in in Phoenix, and he comes up to me, and he basically says, stop stop acting like you know my motives, stop acting like you know me, stop acting like you – you know me like that. Understand where I'm coming from, what drives me. Um, and first of all, I was flabbergasted that he even was aware of something that I said 40 plus minutes into the Warriors huddle podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast has a has a good, really strong local following, but isn't you know doesn't necessarily have a huge national reach. And the fact that he was even aware of that, I thought was super telling. And and. When the news came out officially that he was going to the Nets, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm thinking, you know what? That's why that hit him so hard. Yeah. That's why it, it it touched a soft spot because the reality is we know now this has been in the works probably going back to at least February, yeah. if not sooner. So he he's known that he's going to go play with Kyrie. And the fact that I said that in a public setting on the Warriors Huddle podcast, made him, I think, very uncomfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it was kind of enlightening for me.
1: Yeah. And by the way, uh, Kevin, and we know you're listening, so best of luck new, in New York next season with the Nets and, and, uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Um, and by the way, that's one of the, the things I kind of liked about Durant in terms of covering him as a player is that a lot of players in all sports are now because maybe because of the money or whatever, they're kind of above us in station. They're above writers and media people. And, they act like we're not even there in some ways. And, and I think a lot of them believe we're not even there. We don't even exist in their world, but Durant actually, you know, paid attention to what we wrote and talked about and, and, and said, and I think that that's kind of cool. And he also was not afraid to kind of react to people, maybe not the way we always thought was perfect and everything, but to, to, to react and interact with people in a human way, you know, there were a couple interviews I did with him and I was, certainly wasn't close to him or best friends with him in any way. Um, I was just a guy on the periphery who, who he probably doesn't even know my name, but he would go deep with interviews and he would really talk about things, you know, kind of in his heart. Um, and so in a lot in a lot of ways, he was uh, a, a good guy to cover in that respect, because I think he showed more of himself than a lot of guys do.
0: Yeah, he was a very complex person. I think at his core, he was a very genuine person. Um, but, you know, the, the, big, the big thing right now is I don't think peop- Warriors fans are, are interested in rehashing why Kevin Durant left for the Nets. I think it's pretty understood at this point why Kevin Durant left for the Nets. The big, the big thing now is what does this mean going forward? What, how, how did the Warriors respond? And just kind of taking a big picture look at it, how did you feel about how the Warriors handled Kevin's defection, you know, very quickly having to respond and go out and, and give up a ton to go get someone like D'Angelo Russell from the Nets in that sign and trade, and then give up Andre Iguodala, uh, give up a couple first round picks, give up five plus million dollars to secure a twenty-three year old All-Star in D'Angelo Russell, then go out and pick up Willie Collistan on close to a minimum, a guy who's probably Worth far more than a minimum, a guy who can come in and be your starting center right away. Resign Kevon Looney when you're already facing a hard cap, and you know you're under heavy financial constraints to even fill out your roster. And then go out and get Alec Burks on a minimum. Go out and get Ben Robinson the third on a minimum, and then earlier draft three guys in the, in the in the draft later picks who might need to play some sort of role next season eric pascal jordan Poole, and alan smiley um you're looking right now at you know and then also the the one i almost forgot was the the trade of Damian jones who was in, entering his fourth season in the league was still playing summer league and hadn't really proven anything even though he had a lot of opportunity and and i think that the clock was kind of ticking on him they traded him along with the second-round pick for Omari Spellman, who was a first-round pick last season with the uh, with the Hawks, had had an up-and-down rookie season, but I think is younger and has some potential. Um, so I guess after rehashing all those moves, the reality of the situation is a team that didn't have very much roster turno- turnover the past five years now has eight new players. Yeah. Eight of their 14 players are new, And of those 14 players, 10 of them are 25 or younger. The four others being Draymond green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Alec Burks. Alec Burks is only 27. So all
1: their new guys are 25 or younger, except for Alec Burks, who's 27. Yeah. And you're asking me how I think the Warriors handle that in terms of the front office and everything. I think they handled it great. For one thing, I think they were anticipating it. They knew there was a good chance that this was coming, that Durant was going to leave. And so they've been, <laughs> they didn't just sit back and, and wait to plan everything. They've been trying to plan and think, what, what if Durant leaves? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? But still there was a lot of scrambling around to do. And Durant didn't leave in a super most gracious way. I don't, I don't think like some guys leave, they take out a full page ad. We've, we've seen that in newspapers and say, you know, thanks for the fans. Thanks to the organization. Durant didn't do that, which is not unexpected, but um, so the Warriors could have been, you know, a little snarky about it or, or, kind of dismissive. And I think they, they took the high road, which is cool. They basically, you know, thanked him for the years and and honored the fact that he contributed to to two rings and three NBA finals. And uh, you know, why, why be jerks about it? You know, there, there really no reason to be, they would have had to go out of their way to do that. And I I think it was cool. I think it was, and not, not only that, but I think there's an a a sense in the organization of like a new beginning. Okay. We weren't going to keep this going forever. Uh, maybe we would have wanted to have Durant back for another year and see if we can make a, a serious run at another title right now, but I think there's also a sense that all right, we did that and and the world moves on and let's get a fresh start and let's let's go out there and see if we can rebuild this thing like a new adventure. Well, the Warriors
0: got some criticism after the sign and trade for Russell. A lot of people said that it was an act of desperation that they panicked, that they should have let things unfold a little bit more, seen seen where the market was, gotten more for someone like Andre Wadala, um, tried to find a way to, to get some value and bring back a, a talented young player that maybe is a better fit than DeAndre Russell, who's obviously a pick-and-roll guy in, a, in an offensive system that is all about motion and, and does not have very much pick-and-roll. To say the least, um, what do you think about
1: criticism, and do you think it's fair? I think hey, criticism is always fair and something like that because there's no black and white answer. But my feeling is that uh, a lot of people are kind of saying that the Warriors did this kind of out of desperation because they're so afraid to go into their new arena that Joe Lacob and and his guys are afraid to go in this new arena with a really crappy team, and so they're desperately trying to get some reasonable ballplayers in. And I think it was maybe there's some of that element i don't know i don't know inside joe Lacob's heart and all that stuff or pocketbook but i think a stronger element in it is that the realization that they've got steph curry they've got clay thompson and they've got draymond green for at least another year or two or three and that trio that core is amazing you don't that happens once Every, some teams, (laughs) it never happens. Some teams, it happens once every three decades or something like that. When the the last happened for the Warriors, never. So uh, they don't want to just throw away another two years on doing a complete rebuild and we'll just go with D-League stars and G-League stars. And so they went out and got what they thought was a legitimate player who could help them win next year. And I think that's, I think that was a logical and smart way to go because I, 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 the, those three guys that I mentioned, you know you just you have to maximize whatever time they have left, which might be only another year or two together, yeah, I mean what what I keep reminding people is you have to
0: understand this was the only path to an all star caliber player, G- given the financial constraints they were under, this was the only answer, and is he an ideal fit, no, but you have to do with the best with the circumstances that you're presented, and the warriors didn't have a lot of options. And given the options they
1: had in front of them, this to me was a home run. And he's, be- not, yeah, and he's not an ideal fit, like you said, but one thing, let's say you went out and got a guy like James Harden, and he, who's going to play a certain way no matter what, and you can't coach him really or mold him, he's just throw him out in the court and he's going to do what he does. This guy seems like he, from what I've seen and read and everything, that he will be coachable, that he will be um, accepting of, if Kirk comes to him and says, look, we want to do more of this and less of this, and that that he's not a a hard head and that he he's a really talented player who can kind of bend his game to to suit the Warriors.
0: Yeah, and and if you look at him going back to high school, he's always been really really fond of Steph Curry. He said that Steph is someone that he's idolized, modeled his game after, and I think he's going to appreciate the opportunity to share a backcourt share a backcourt with him and if that means he has to adjust to play along a guy who's his idol, I I think he'll, he will do that. Um, You know, and I honestly think that it's not as bad of a fit as a lot of people say. Um, I know that people say it's a bad fit because he ran the second most pick and roll of any player, any point guard in the league last season, not named Kimball Walker and the Warriors ran the least amount of pick and roll in the league last season, really in the last five years that Steve has been their head coach but you need to understand that d'angelo russell is a very good catch and shoot guy he's 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 shot 39% last season on spot up three pointers and especially with clay out he's going to be asked to play off the ball more as a catch and shoot guy um and while while steph is more of the playmaker i think he's more than capable of doing that he's, his his skill set presents that opportunity and he's an elite shooter in his own right and I think he'll be happy to make that adjustment. I also think it's gonna, the onus is going to be on Steve to adjust a little bit too and to introduce some more pick and roll. And I know they're they're not just open to doing that. They're excited about doing that. Uh, part of the reason they went out and got Willie Colley-Stein and were so eager to get Wally, Willie Colley-Stein is because Willie Colley-Stein is really good in pick and roll. He's one of the better screen-setting uh, screen setting, uh uh, screen and rollers in the league in terms of setting the screen and rolling to the, to the rim and getting lobs and what have you. And I they think that he could be a really nice tandem with Russell, especially when Green and, and Curry are sitting out, which they tend to do. Their their minutes tend to align. And so that's a really nice offensive wrinkle. And when you're talking about all the changes that that they have gone through, if all the if the personnel changes the approach, the offense, the defense, they have to change as well.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you know what? Players can change. Great players can change. And I'll give you one example. There was a kid the Warriors had five years ago, really outstanding player, all-star level player. And a uh, new coach came in and he had to completely change his game. And his name was Steph Curry. And he played a completely different overnight, was asked to play a completely different style of offense. And he did and it turned out pretty well. A couple uh league mvps uh three league titles and so forth so it can be done
0: yeah yeah so uh obviously uh you know this this kind of spelled the end the d'angelo russell sign and trade as we alluded to meant that the warriors had to pay quite the steep price and and that meant the end of an era really in in not only trading Andre Godala in what was essentially a salary dump, but also waiving Sean Livingston, which is a really sad way for those 10 years to end. Two guys who were instrumental in this dynasty, um, leaders of that second unit, essential locker room guys, professionals, and ever since the word, I heard that members of that front office shed tears when they knew the ramifications and they understood what was going to have to happen because this is a human there, there is a human toll to this. There, the, the, these are relationships built over the course of years, and just seeing the other side of that. What did, what did you think? You wrote a really good column about the end of the Andre era, what he meant to the franchise. What did you also think about Sean and and having to get waived the way he did? It sounds like he's still open to playing somewhere, but he'll probably have to go ch- ch- chase a minimum contract on a on an all
1: saran team. So, what, what, what do you think of all that? Well, I remember, I thought back to five years ago when they got him and they picked him up. I don't think he was in great demand. He was 20, is he 20? He's 33 now. Yeah, so he was 28 or 29, but he was way over the hill because he'd had the injury early in his career and he'd come back somewhat, never been the same guy, knocked around the league, played for about 90 different teams in the NBA, and they picked him up as a backup point guard. And Nobody, zero people were excited. No fans. Nobody. Okay, Sean Livingston. Okay, so what? He's a nobody. He's a non-factor. And he turned out to be a, a really key part of the the whole five-year run. Not only in terms of um, the way he played, because he was a very solid player. You talk about Andre uh, Andre Iguodal being the babysitter and steadying things down. Um, Sean did a lot of that too. You know, very steady influence, very calming kind of guy, and also a dynamic player. You know, in his in his a, you know, small role, 20 minutes a game, 22 minutes a game or so, which was, but it was very significant. But beyond that, he was just so much part of the soul of the team, I thought. Um, not not only in the locker room, the players would have to tell you what he meant to them in terms of the locker room, but just as an outsider, he was a guy that always seemed to uh, uh, have a great perspective on things. Anytime you're looking for a comment on what's going on with the team, uh, how the team's feeling, what's going on, or even, you know, there were political things that came up, like with protests and going to the White House and things like that. And Sean always had something really meaningful and, and worthwhile to say. And he was just a, I remember after one, like maybe it was their second championship or something like that first. I don't remember. Uh, in the celebration of the locker room, I went and talked to him and he played maybe 14 minutes in the game. It hadn't really been a big factor, but I quoted him a couple of paragraphs and i remember somebody said yo why'd you quote that guy you don't play in your your story and you're calling him about the championship game he only played like 12 minutes and i said yeah but it's not a, that's not the point the point is that he he can express himself he he tells you what's going on with the team he brings you brings us outsiders into the heart and soul of the team and he's just a great guy to be around and and he will be missed by us in the media
0: yeah full disclosure i almost I almost wrote his autobiography at one point, um, you know, he and I got to talking about his story and I, I got a book proposal and I was very excited about it, not just because I think he has a great story to tell, but because he um, is just so good to work with. He's He's so transparent, candid, well-spoken. He was always a go-to for me when it came to an important locker room issue or important thing that needed to be talked talked about. If I wanted someone that I knew was not going to give me any BS and was going to tell me like how it was and give me a true pulse in the locker room, Sean was always my go-to guy. And so I'm going to miss that because, you know, I got to find a new one of those and those, those aren't easy to find, you know, those, those guys don't grow on trees. So, um, you know, the, the reality is these guys are going to be missed from an X is no standpoint, but, they're also just missed from a legacy standpoint and a, and a locker room DNA standpoint. Um, but, you know, as, as sad as seeing those guys go is for a lot of people. Um, there's also, I think an excitement about newness and, and just a, a fresh locker room. There's so many unknowns right now. There's so many changes. Uh, obviously you have the core guys in, in Steph Draymond and clay coming back, but, uh, everyone else it feels like is is relatively new. A lot of those other the the role other role guys uh, will be having different types of roles. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, Kevon Looney are going to be important cogs going forward. Um, so some guys that you know another another aftermath of the sign and trade for Russell was that the Warriors couldn't resign a lot of their free agents, including Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, both of whom had qualifying offers. Um, Quinn Cook ended up with the Lakers. DeMarcus Cousins ended up with the Lakers as well. Uh, Jordan Bell ended up with Minnesota. And so uh, it'll be interesting, I think, for a lot of Warriors fans to see those guys on other teams. Um, now, just kind of touching upon some of these these lesser-known guys that were brought in, uh, Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks. Uh, Alec Burks, those are guys who... The average NBA fan might know the name, but isn't super familiar with. Um, Those are guys who are going to be competing along with Alphonso McKinney to start at small forward, at least while Klay Thompson is out with that ACL injury.
1: What did you think about those signings at the minimum? And do you think that they could be pleasant surprises? I guess they could be pleasant surprises. I don't know. They had to sign somebody. That's the big question, right, is the the small forward spot. You know, who's going to play that? And that's the big, like a a black hole right now. There's nobody that really looks like they could <laughs> play on a championship caliber team for a whole season, but uh that remains to be seen. But uh those are all things that for me, they're going to have to shake out. I'm going to have to see what the guys look like, in, at least in preseason and stuff like that, before I can make any kind of even vague analysis of how they might fit in. But uh uh yeah, that's, that's one of the great things about this upcoming season is that, uh man, it could go, could go one way or the other fast. They could, they could lose their first 6 7 games. They could win 7 of the first 9 and we just don't know. So,
0: yeah, I mean the the guesses on where this this team could land in what's going to be a really stacked Western Conference next season have have varied. I talked to people in different front offices when I was at in Vegas for summer league and I heard everything from top 4 in the west, maybe even top 3 to not making the playoffs, um, and it, it it's it's that wide open. Um, I still I still feel pretty adamant that the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. I feel like for them to be a top four seed, everything would kind of need to go their way. They need to sidestep any major injuries. They need to they need a couple of these role guys to be even better than you're expecting them to be. They need someone like Eric Pascal to to contribute. They need Jordan Poole to play a role as a rookie. You, know, you need they need. Everything to go right um, because you, you look at it and even though they have four all-stars, which should be enough, right? They have four all-stars, but they're really thin defensively. They don't have a, a legitimate proven wing defender, especially with clay out uh, losing Andre Godala defensively was huge, but they got Ron Adams back. They got Ron Adams back in a quote unquote revised role, which I'm not sure what that means yet. I haven't been able to confirm what the specifics of that are. I I would not be surprised if he's taking a little bit of a step back. Um, He'll still be around, but I'm not sure if it's going to become more of a consulting type thing. If he's not going to be on the bench every day, he is getting older, 71. Um, And so it'll be interesting. Um, The big questions for me are the depth and the defense. Um, You look at their second unit right now, there's a lot to be – you know, there's a there's a lot to not like about that second unit. You're 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 leaning on really young guys, rookies, not just rookies, but you know, you need someone like Eric Pascal, who's a 41st pick as a rookie to play a role. They already signed him to a three year guaranteed deal, which is a lot for a second round pick. Um, then you're looking at someone like uh, Omari Spellman, who who dealt with a lot of weight issues as a rookie last season, got up to 293 pounds at six <laughs> nine. Um, which led, which a lot of people let, believe, led to a high ankle, a low ankle sprain, which sidelined over 19 games. They need him to play a role. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns, but I will say this: I'm excited because there's a lot of stories, and I always root for the story. Uh, there's a lot of new guys to get to know, a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of interesting guys. We we got to talk to Willie College Stein while we were in Vegas, and I can tell you right now, you're gonna love him. He's awesome. He's a great quote, uh, very candid, very open. You can see how excited he is about this opportunity coming from a place like Sacramento from the, for the past four years to step in and be a potential starting center for a team like the Warriors, I think is going to be really invigorating for him. Had I yeah, had I known
1: that they were going to make that, that basically that trade, I would say that's great because that seems like a, a plus for the Warriors, especially if Willie Colley-Stein improves his defense, which apparently he wants to. And can and maybe Ron Adams can work with him and just if he turns into a, if he ups his defense by 20%, that's going to be huge. Okay. So I'm going to close this with two questions.
0: First of all, give a grade for the Warriors off season. And then after and give your explanation. And then your second of all, say what you think is a realistic expectation seating wise for the Warriors next season and why?
1: Uh, I'll give him a grade. I understand Yahoo.com gave him a D as in dog for their off season move. Really? Yes. Um, I completely disagree. No, seriously. Uh I would give him, I'm, I'm going to go with a B plus. There's a lot of question marks, but the stuff we know, I think they did a really solid job based on what they had to do and what they had to work with. So I'll give him a B plus. And in terms of the outlook for next year, I'll put them as a uh, number six seed in the West.
0: I'm gonna give the Warriors an A minus. Um, I just don't see really what they could have done better given their circumstances. I thought getting D'Angelo Russell, even though you had to give as much as up as you had to, was totally worth it because even if he doesn't work out as a fit on the court, he's a, a trade piece. You know, he's still a 23 year old All Star. Those guys don't grow on trees, so. Um, I thought that was an absolute coup, and then I thought Willie Cauley Stein at close to a minimum, and then I thought Burks and and uh, Glenn Robinson at minimum were were solid pickups, and then Omar the Omar Spellman trade I thought was a great trade. So, um, the only the only things that I w- wasn't super impressed with was uh the draft. I thought Jordan Poole at twenty eight was a little bit of a reach, um, and I, I guess the one free agency thing that I, that I kind of wonder is why didn't they sign a backup point guard? Why don't they have another point guard on that roster? They, did they really need to go out and get Burks or Glenn Robinson when they could have gotten a point guard? My, my guess is they're thinking is that they're going to play D'Angelo Russell and, and, and and stagger his minutes in in such a way that he's kind of their backup point guard, but they don't really have a lot of ball handlers anymore, you know, with, with Andre gone. Um, and uh, Sean Livingston gone and Quinn Cook gone. And so that's a big question. Do you feel comfortable having Jacob Evans as a potential backup point guard? He he tried to transition to point guard at Summer League, and it didn't look very good against Summer League competitions. So that's still my only kind of nitpicky thing, but but I still give him an A- minus because I thought overall uh, they did a lot with a little. And then in terms of the seeding, I might be overly optimistic, but I, I think they can get a four seed. I do, I do. I think, you know, Clay Thompson is uh, is looking like he could come back as early as early December, and and guys coming back from ACL injuries tend to uh, come, be as good as they were pre-injury, and if anyone can do that, it's it's Clay Thompson. So, um, I think once they have Clay back, I, I think I think he can. I think even though he's not known for being a Small forward. I think he can be a small forward. It's really about who you defend, and he can defend small forwards. And I think, like I said earlier, I think D'Angelo Russell can play off the ball. And if worse comes to worse, you trade him. But um, yeah, so I think it'll work. Um, I really do, um, and I, I, I do think that a couple of those bench guys will be better than we think they're going to be. Uh, I think Pascal is going to be legit. I think that um, I think that Glenn Robinson can can resuscitate his career. I think Burks can be. Uh, decent, so um, that's really all they need. They just need guys to be decent, and I think Alfonso McKinney will take a step as well, so I'm going to take the optimistic glass-half-full approach and go and go four-seed.
1: All right, I know this. You're going away for a couple months. I guess you get va- a vacation for some reason. I don't know why, but by the time you get back in a couple months from now, it's all going to be changed. <laughs> They'll be in a different gym, a different headquarters. Uh, guys we've never seen before will be out there playing significant minutes, so it's all going to change and it's all going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, so I will be taking my annual uh sabbatical as I call it um where I, I just go away for 2 months because uh because I haven't gotten a ton of time off this the past 10 months but uh Scott and Ron Krojcik and Ann Killian and Bruce Jenkins and Rusty Simmons we were setting up a rotation so that they will be Filling in for me on the pod for those eight weeks, so we're still planning on Warriors Off Court coming out weekly during that time. We've been, really enjoyed seeing the progress, the growth, the past year with it, and we're not going to take our foot off the gas. So, yeah. Um, and
1: also, we're saving all our best stuff for when you leave. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and I'll be listening wherever when I'm in Belize, when I'm in Iceland, I'll be uh, I'll be listening. So, <laughs> all right, thanks, Scott. I always appreciate it. Thanks, Gon. I want to thank Scott Osler for joining me on the podcast. It was great picking his brain about free agency and hearing his insights on the new additions. Warriors Offcourt Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at Con underscore Cron and email me at cletourneau at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.